you're about to hear is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. One, if not the favorite guest of mine on this program is in studio. Uh, we always have a fascinating, historic geek fest. Uh, and Brad Meltzer joins me for that geek fest in 60 seconds. So uh, David Newhauser, he's the chief investment officer for uh, Livermore Partners. He said this week, you start to look around and think, where's the safest place for your investment in terms of assets? The only place really to go as an alternative now is gold in terms of knowing that you're not going to see the debasement of your assets. I Honestly, can you trust land, even farmland? I mean, is that going to go up? Is it going to lose value? Your house? I, because everything is so unstable right now, you have to look for something that thrives when instability is around. This week, Goldline has two specials at goldline.com. First, Goldline is offering 6% in free promotional medals with every qualified self-directed IRA acquisition uh, that you would complete this month. So if you do it, complete it this month, you get 6% of additional assets in to your uh, self-directed IRA. Uh, Did you know you can put gold in a retirement account like a traditional IRA or an old 401k Roth? Uh, All of this. Second, with the purchase of every gold legal tender bar, you will also receive at no additional cost 25 silver mind your business bars for free. That's 866 Goldline. That's where you call and talk to somebody right now. They're waiting for your call. Just ask them for information. 866 Goldline or Goldline.com. Brad, it is a thrill to have you uh, in studio Uh, again. You have a new book out uh, called The Nazi Conspiracy. I I had no idea this was even had been planned. The secret plot to kill Roosevelt, Stalin and Churchill. At the height of World War Two. Nazis are planning to kill the big three. I didn't know the story either. How do you, I mean, how is this, you watch certain history channels and it's all World War II Nazi stuff. I mean, you think you know everything. I've never heard that. And listen, I obviously watch those same shows. I love World War II. I never knew the story. I don't think the internet is good for many things, but it's good for obscure historical stories. And I found, scrolling through my feed, I found the story years ago. It was a tiny mention, maybe a half-page, page article. I had barely any facts. I'm like, you're telling me the Nazis tried to kill FDR, Stalin, and Churchill, the height of World War II, and, and you and I don't know about this story? I'm like, I got to know. And, and just to paint the picture, it's 1943. It's the moment where Joseph Stalin wants us to invade the continent, uh, continental Europe. He's getting decimated by the Nazis. He, we, of course, the United Kingdom and the United States are sending munitions and weapons, but he's like, no, you need to invade basically do what becomes the invasion of Normandy. And FDR realizes we got to get the big three together. We have to look each other in the eye, plan troop movements, plan supplies, plan morale, and millions of lives, Glenn, are at stake. You know, and this really, is it. And, and really look each other in the eyes. Also, you paint a great picture in the book of the moment the Japanese hit Pearl Harbor 
and what that was like in the White House. And then you go overseas and what it was like with Churchill. And he's having, I think it was dinner with the ambassador of the United States yeah. at the time. And well, he finds out. And when he, and what I love in that moment when you see Churchill, because we've all heard the story of Pearl Harbor. We show you it a different right. way. A totally right? different way. In a way you've never seen before. Yeah. And what I love is in the moments after... We always tell the story in America that, you know, we punched the Nazis in the jaw. We won, you know, the, we, won, we saved democracy for the world, and that's the end. And that's a beautiful story, but that's the Hollywood version. It was much more complex and actually much more amazing for America to see what we had to yeah. do to get there. And what I love is when Pearl Harbor happens, we, of course, declare war against the Japanese. Um, but they say to Adolf Hitler, stay out of it. His own advisors like, stay out of it. Don't mess with America. We don't mm-hmm. need this now. And Hitler slaps his leg, literally slaps his leg and says, this is great that it happened. We're going to declare war on them because, you know, strong people declare war. They don't wait to be declared war on. And Winston Churchill remembers this quote he heard about the United States. He says that the United States is like a gigantic boiler. Mm-hmm. And once you light a fire under it, there is no limit to the amount of power it will produce. Mm-hmm. And Winston Churchill is exactly right, and we are on. And this story, you know, as we're as the big three are coming together, which uh, Churchill doesn't trust Stalin. No at one all, trusts Stalin, and right? FDR doesn't trust him at all because he was on the side of the Germans for a while. That he started the war on the side of the Nazis. The only reason he comes to our side is because Hitler invades, and he's like, "Oh, you're going to invade us? I'll be on the Allies side now." You know, right. he's not a good person. No, and you know, we've done books on. We did The Secret Plot to Kill George Washington, mm-hmm. and we did George Washington. We did uh, The Lincoln Conspiracy about The Secret Plot to Kill Abraham Lincoln, the mm-hmm. first plot, not the John Wilkes Booth plot. And when I look at what makes a good president, it's not the person that makes the best promises. It's not the person that makes the best speeches. It's the person who, when a disaster strikes, can pivot and deal with that disaster and be the right person for that right moment Correct. in time. And Correct. FDR in that moment, whenever anyone thinks of his politics, He has one belief in himself, and it's his ability to charm. And he's like, I'm going to charm Stalin because I know Stalin likes me better than you, Churchill, (laughs) right? And he Mm -hmm. knows that Churchill, of course, prefers him to Stalin. And and FDR is the right guy. brings these three together. And Tehran, Iran of all places, which, again, I was like, how did I not know this? And in Tehran... What's so wild is... Well, you knew that they were there. I know, right, I know the yeah, Tehran yeah, yeah. conference, but I didn't know right, the, right, right. that the assassination yeah, okay. plot took place there. But So here comes uh, FDR, flies across the globe. This is the big meeting. Millions of lives truly at stake. This meeting must take place of the big three. And he comes to town, and the motorcade is moving through the center of the city, and everyone's craning their neck because they want to see the president of the United States. FDR is in town. And they're waving at the motorcade. President's waving back. What none of them know is that that is not FDR in the motorcade. That's just a Secret Service decoy. The real president, the real FDR, is ducked down and hiding in the back of a beat-up sedan, racing through the side streets because they're, they're worried that there's a Nazi assassin who's about to kill him. I just ruined chapter one of the Nazi conspiracy yeah. for you, but that is chapter one. It's so well done, too. Yeah. I mean, I was... I, honestly, because I love your novels. Love your novels. And when I found out that this was a Nazi, uh, that this is a history book, I thought, okay, well, he's really good at history, but I really wanted a novel to escape. I get into the first chapter and it's over for me. I'm just, I mean, you write it like a thriller. Well, that's the thing is, you know, for me, you know, I love 
these stories, but I don't want to read an encyclopedia entry. I don't yeah, want to read some boring thing. So, and we all know FDR, and we all know Winston Churchill, and we all know Joseph Stalin. We know those names. We're, we grew up with those names. What I love are the people you don't know in this book. So there's a Nazi in there named Otto Skorzeny. And Otto Skorzeny gets the call from Adolf Hitler one day to come down to Adolf Hitler's secret headquarters, the Wolf's Lair. And you know you're in trouble when the word lair is in the title, <laughs> right? Yeah, you, know, right. you know you're not going for a party. Right. And, and Adolf Hitler wants all of his best special operations fighters, which Otto Skorzeny, and he's one of them, he's a special ops guy. He wants to find the toughest and strongest one. And he lines up all the special op guys in this big room, shoulder to shoulder, and he gives them a quiz of one question. What do you think of Italy, Adolf Hitler says. And they all give these kind of macho answers saying, oh, you know, Italy's on our side. We'll fight to the death with them. You know, thank you for all this. Otto Skorzeny, this one Nazi, shouts out above everybody else, I am from Austria, my Fuhrer. And he's gambling because he knows Adolf Hitler is from Austria. Mm -hmm. And he also knows that a true Austrian forever resents Italy because in World War I, they took a key piece of Italy and of Austria and never gave it back. Right. So at that moment, Adolf Hitler turns to Otto Skorzeny and he's like, you're my guy. You're my guy. And he sends him on a secret mission. We won't ruin this part of the book, but he sends him on a secret mission that is so crazy and so wild that Josh mentioned on my co-writer in the book said that we need to put an actual photograph of this secret mission in the book because people will not believe this really happened. Nazis falling from the sky and 80% casualty rate is what they predict. It is this amazing moment. His The end result of this secret mission earns Otto Skorzeny the nickname, the most dangerous man in Europe. And this is the craziest Nazi story you've never heard in your life. Why? I know. Well, and, and the thing is, is, it doesn't even stop with him, right? There, it, it, there's a guy in there named Franz Mayer. So there's two Nazis that play a key role in this in assassination plot. And Franz Mayer is a guy who's on the ground in Tehran. The truth is the Nazis think he's dead. They think he's captured when the Allies come there. They're like, he's done. But he's actually spent a couple years making, uh, finding other people who love the Nazi cause. He's got supplies. He sends a message back to Berlin and says, I got a drop zone. I got a safe place you can send me supplies and paratroopers, send me money, and here's a secret code to put on the radio, like you and I talking, you're going to say a certain a couple words together, and I'm going to know you got my message. And at that moment in time, the Nazis get the greatest thing that anyone can get in a fight, which is an opportunity, because the big three are coming to town, and they've got a guy on the inside on the ground in Tehran. So you've got Franz Mayer on one side, you've got Otto Skozen on another, and Glenn the best part is, is that Franz Mayer is not just there because he loves the Nazi cause. He's in love. It's the Nazi in love. And he loves a, a local woman from a wealthy family. He's sleeping with her. What he doesn't know is she's sleeping with another guy who's an American GI. So he's whispering secrets to her. She's whispering the secrets back to us. I couldn't make this up if I want. My editor would be like, no one will believe this. It all really happened all in World War II. Anyone who loves history, like I was like, this is the greatest it's story. It's a great story. And, and, and the thing that you realize is it could have changed the entire war, right? It could have, if, if the big three are assassinated at this moment in time, this is just the moment where the Nazis, it's starting to go against them. They really need a win. And we have to remember, assassination was used as a weapon all the time back then. Right. So when, even when uh, Admiral Yamamoto, one of the, the chief architects of Pearl Harbor, the United States, we get information where he is, where he's going to fly. And they go to FDR and they say, what do you want to do? You want to kill him or not? 
FDR knows, listen, if we kill them, they could retaliate against us. They've retaliated against us before. This is the main architect of Pearl Harbor. And at that moment, FDR says, quote, get Yamamoto. And we do. We get him. We kill him. We know the stories of Hitler. We, you know, they try and kill him in the Alps. They try and kill him on a train. The Nazis tried it. They find out that Winston Churchill, they think, is on a commercial flight. They shoot the flight out of the sky. It's just a guy who looks like Winston Churchill. They get the wrong guy. So all through the war, assassination is being used. When the big three come to Tehran, it's a tantalizing target for the Nazis. And you have to ask yourself, why do I not know this story? How do you and I, who obsess over this stuff, mm-hmm. not know this story? And it's because when, when Churchill comes back and, and, and FDR come back from the meeting, FDR holds a big press conference at the White House, and he says, um, yes, the meeting went really well. We planned the, you know, he doesn't tell it, but he knows they planned the invasion of Normandy is coming now. But uh, he says, by the way, the Nazis tried to kill us. The Secret Service is like, why'd you say that? How could you tell everyone you're not supposed to say anything? It becomes the front page of every newspaper. It's a big, giant story. Again. But guess what? Guess what happens soon after that? Normandy. 150,000 men storm the beaches, a million more standing by in successive waves. And then Just this, this story becomes a footnote in history and gets lost until nerds like me dig it up and show you, look at this moment that we all forgot. It's almost like, do you remember when Rumsfeld on September 10th came out and said, like, there's $2 trillion of, of funding missing. Do you remember this? I don't even remember this. Oh, this is amazing. So the night before, because we had it on our show prep, remember, Stu? We were going to talk about it. Rumsfeld comes out, and they had just done some audit of the Pentagon. And he was like, this is worse than we thought. And it was it was some staggering number. It was like, one or two trillion dollars that they can't account for and And then and we're going to get down (laughs) to the bottom of it and the next morning unbelievable it was just it was a non-story because the next morning was 9-11 well the thing is is there's always to me lost history is the best history right because we know the stories that we hear and we tell over and over again and the story of world war ii is not just you know an amazing battle where millions of lives are at stake it's also one of the few maybe last times in the american government where we think that the government went in, we did the right thing, we saved the day for everyone, and everyone on every side of politics agrees. That just <laughs> doesn't, right? It's not, and World War II is, is not just an incident, it's, it's an ideal. It's, it's what makes America the best, right? It's the moment where we stand up to evil. And, and Josh and I, when we write these books, like when we did the Nazi conspiracy, we were like, okay, it's, it's great to say that we have this amazing plot you've never heard of to kill FDR and Stalin and Churchill, but what's the book really about? What's it really about? What is this? You know, we, you and I know our love of history is not just that we love dates and facts and obscure stuff. What we love, and you and I have been together a long time, decades now, is that it informs us and about us today, Correct. right? When history tells us who we are today. And one of the things I remember is when Charlottesville happened, when we saw, and not thrown, you know, when Nazis were marching in Charlottesville, I'm not talking about throwing around the word Nazi the way it's thrown around today, but truly Nazis are marching there and we're all wringing our hands and going, how does this happen in America? Why are we fighting Nazis in, in modern times? One of the things I didn't know is, and you see it early in the book, is back in World War II, there was a rally in Madison Square Garden. 20,000 Nazis in the heart of New York City crazy. who cheer, and they have a big giant banner of George Washington surrounded mm-hmm. by swastikas, and the first speaker of the day says, if George Washington were alive today, he'd be friends with Adolf Hitler. Yep. And 
oh my gosh, I'm like, why are we fighting Nazis? They, they never left. No, They're they here. Never World left. War II is not that long ago. Anne Frank is born the same year as Barbara Walters. And it's just not that long ago. Think about that a wow. moment, right? It's not that long ago. And to me, the reason why we tell these stories is so, you know, to me, the American dream is not about just making money. It's about when you see someone being bullied, when you see someone being picked yep. on, you use your voice and you say enough, yep. enough. And over and over in time, you know, we see it, you know, Adolf Hitler, what he does is he says, those people are the cause of your problems. He goes to those those Germans who are suffering economically. Those people are the cause of your problems. He means the Jewish people. And all those Germans there, they believe him. They, they take him at his word. And listen, when someone says to me, you're the cause of my problem, I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm mad. I hate those people. Who are they? What are they doing? But we, we see it over and over through history, whether it's the black community, you see with you know the gay community, the immigrant community, there's always a group where someone say, those people are the problem. Right. And when you see, that's, that's a code. And it's a code through history. And we need to be better than what angers us. We need to not fall for that. And we have to say, when someone's being picked on, use your voice and say enough. Not just when it's your group being picked on, but any group that's being picked on, you got to say no. We used to say, I disagree with what you say, but I will fight to the death Amen. for your right to, uh, to say it. All right, back in just a second. Legacy Box, we're halfway through now the first month of the new year. Already those New Year's resolutions probably starting to weigh down on you like, have you even started? I didn't make one, so it's great. Here's one you could take off your list. Um, do you have a box somewhere, if you're like me, lots of boxes with family you know, home movies and pictures and everything tucked away behind, you know, I don't know, old bowling trophies in the back of the closet. If you have been meaning to find a way to preserve those, those are disintegrating quickly. If you go back and look at them, you'll see the photographs are fading. Legacy Box makes checking this off your to-do list really easy. You just send the Legacy Box filled with the home movies and the photos and the slides or whatever, and you get back digital copies along with your originals, and it's all done here in America. But it's now in a format that is permanent. We've used Legacy Box before. We're still using Legacy Box. We have a lot to uh, copy. Kick off the new year by rescuing your family's most cherished memories. Visit LegacyBox.com slash Beck. Take advantage of the exclusive offer now. That's LegacyBox.com slash Beck. 10 seconds. Station ID. So I want to talk to you more a little bit about uh, your book, The Nazi Conspiracy, and what do you think would have happened if they would have died? Um, but because we always do a little bit of show and tell when you're here, I'm going to give you some choices. I'm excited. Of some of the new things, and you get a pick. Okay, okay? I'm ready. Uh, we have Batman's Cowl. Which one? Uh, from, uh, is it you, Batman? I know you bought 1989? No, no, no. 66? No, no, no. This is the uh, Batman. The Christian Bale. The Christian Bale. I saw that was up. I saw. I knew. I knew you were going to bid on it. I knew you were going to bid on that. I saw. I saw that one (laughs) just came up. Yep. Okay. So I. You got a. You got a good deal. I actually thought it was going to go higher. You got a good deal on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good deals. I mean, it's a relative term. Relative (laughs) term. Uh, I also have uh, uh, the speech with the bullet hole through it given by uh, Teddy Roosevelt along oh, with his glasses. Oh, you have that? I did not know you had that. And okay. those two kind of tie together. Yep. I have Mel Gibson's a sword from Braveheart. Uh, I have Sputnik. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Uh, and uh, I, oh, I have the founding document uh, uh, of the 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 first settlement in Texas in uh, Austin's own uh, own hand, which I is lo- really I pretty love that. Amazing. But listen, uh, as someone who wrote, I am Batman. I have to. It has to be the cow. I gotta see it. Okay. I saw. I only saw a picture of it. I have not seen it up close. Okay. Would somebody uh, somebody get the Batman uh, cowl and the FDR? Cause I, I, yeah. Uh, not FDR. The Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt yeah, that was the other one. That was a close one for me. I have a. I have a Batman question for you. I got. That you I got might answers. be able to answer. I'm ready. Uh, all right. The name of the book is uh, Brad Meltzer's "The Nazi Conspiracy: The Secret Plot to Kill Roosevelt, Stalin, and Churchill." Um, the idea was take all of these guys out and things collapse. I don't think, I'm not sure that would have, at least in America, it wouldn't have collapsed. I uh, don't think. I we agree would. with you. No, no, I agree. I don't think that if it happened. So hang on just a okay, second. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back Great. and get your opinion on that. And then a little show and tell and a question that only you'd be able Beck to answer. Program. Uh, if you like getting some of the best sleep of your life, uh, try the Giza Dream Sheets from My Pillow. These are the best sheets. They really, they really are. I sleep on them every single night. I love soft sheets. Um, drives. I have restless leg syndrome. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I just want really, really soft uh, sheets. Mike Lindell makes them at My Pillow, and they are not expensive. Um, they are really high quality because they're they're made from Giza cotton, the best cotton, breathable, ultra soft, durable. But you can get them as low as twenty nine ninety eight right now on sale at mypillow.com. They come with a ten year warranty and a sixty day money back guarantee. You're gonna get that from any other sheet, especially at that price. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Listener Special Square, check out the sale on the Giza Dream Sheets, and when you click on the square, you're also going to find other deals that they have going on right now with MyPillow products. Um, Enter the promo code BECK at MyPillow.com, or you can call and use the promo code BECK at 800-966-3117. 800-966-3117, MyPillow.com, promo code BECK. Get 10 bucks off Blaze TV right now by going to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. So show and tell in a minute, but we're back with Brad Meltzer, the author of The Conspiracy Theory. uh, Sorry, The Nazi Conspiracy, uh, The Secret Plot to Kill Roosevelt, Stalin, and Churchill. So... What do you think would have happened if this would have won? If if they would have done this? This is before D Day. We're kind of, you know, on the ropes. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is the moment where it can all go sideways. I don't think if it happened, I think if, if the plot worked and the Nazis killed FDR, Stalin, and Churchill it, at this moment in time, I don't think we'll be flying Nazi flags in Times Square right now. But I do think that, you know, back then perception was reality, right? In a way, today, we all have our Twitter accounts, we have our Instagram feeds, and the moment something comes out, we all say, oh, what the news says, I don't agree with that, we find a different opinion. But back then, if you look at when Churchill and FDR met for the very first time in Casablanca, that moment of just them sitting there with every paper in the world saying, look at the allies, how strong they are, they're standing together, that became reality. We weren't really together, we didn't have the supplies, we didn't have the manpower, but we looked like the strongest power in the world. 
And that is, to me, the great unknown. Do I think someone would have stepped up, or Cordell Hull, or anyone else? Would? Of course, they all, you know, D Day is not planned just by three people. It's planned by no. I know, but all. the leadership, Churchill. I'm convinced Churchill was the only one that really understood. Oh yeah. Well, he. Yeah. I mean, he's. You know, the thing that you have to look at, and and it's just the sheer amount. And this is what hit me more than anything, is what's at stake. You know, the United States. We buried about five hundred and twenty-one thousand men. The United Kingdom buried about 500, uh, a, a bit more, about 550,000. The Soviet Union buried 24 million people. And you don't realize how just decimating the Nazis were. When the mm-hmm. Nazis attacked, and again, think about this in American terms. When they attacked Leningrad, they take the city. This is all in the book. You take the city. They, they don't want to deal with POWs. So they just surround the city and say, no one's going in, no one's going out. Their plan is to starve everyone to death. And it happens immediately. People start eating dogs. They start eating rats. Then they start looking at each other and thinking about eating the unthinkable, which happens. And Stalin we, did it to uh, and the Stalin, Ukrainians. And Stalin, right out of, of course, it's, it's the same, thank you. It's yeah. the same exact playbook. And what's so amazing is that in a year's time, in no time, but in, in close to a year, nearly a million people in just that city are dead. It's the greatest loss of life in a modern American city ever in history. And that's one location. So to me, I say all that simply to say, what do I think would happen? Like, obviously anything can happen at that moment. And you take away our ability to look like we're the strong ones and God knows where the Nazis go. This is a great book. It is a history book, but it's a story you've never heard before. And even the stuff that you have heard, like Pearl Harbor, written in such a way, you look at it completely with different eyes. I mean, you get the same, you know, bad guy, good guy, but completely different eyes. And um, you're you're taken even to the White House and then to Winston Churchill, where uh you just, I just never thought of those things before. It's well, great. My, my favorite thing for Winston Churchill, well, just two quick thoughts is I also love, and I have to, I haven't said this on anything that I've done, but you and I, so Winston Churchill is at the White House right after Pearl Harbor. I thought this is what you're going to call me on is, and Winston Churchill always had a bath every day because mm-hmm. he used to like taking a bath and FDR and his aide walk in on Winston Churchill and he's buck naked. That's and Win- not Win- unusual uh, for Which him, is not, though. of course, but yeah. Winston Churchill at that moment has the greatest comeback as he says, the prime minister of the United Kingdom has nothing to hide from the president of the United States. And to me, that is the greatest line to ever say if you are ever caught naked anywhere. If the Nazi conspiracy gives you nothing else, it's the greatest line when you're caught naked. Um, but, and, and to me, what I love is, you know, how do you find this stuff out? And for us, it was hard. Like we couldn't go to the National Archives for this or go to the usual places we go to. We needed researchers who speak Russian, who speak German, and so, you know, the Nazis' top secret intelligence was on what they call the brown sheets. And you and I, we got to find a brown sheet because the brown sheets were literally called out because they were printed on brown paper. And they used to be in a special zipper case. You had to destroy it after a month when you read it. It was like the Mission Impossible briefcase, but for Nazis. Hmm. The only reason we were able to research this book is uh, people like Joseph Goebbels, the head of propaganda for the Nazis, used to keep extensive diaries. And he stupidly used to write down what he saw on the brown sheets in his diaries. And oh through our gosh. translators, we were able to figure out, we all know the story of the Enigma machines. I know we've talked yeah, about yeah, it before, yeah. of course, cracking the Nazi codes. What I didn't know, Glenn, is they had cracked our codes. They had actually, according to his diaries, 
They had cracked our international cables between FDR and Churchill. They were listening to us the entire time. That's chilling to me. And I just was, you know, again, things that I feel like I know World War II, yeah. not like this. Yeah. And this was kind of like looking at the bad guy's playbook and seeing how close they came to taking out the big three. All right, let's do a little show and tell, shall we? Can't wait. Okay, so uh, in front of you yes. is the Batman cowl uh, from, that's Batman Begins, right? Batman Begins, yeah. yes, uh, yes, with Scarecrow. It is taking, I need to tell you, everything in my body to not put this thing on my head <laughs> yeah. right now and just yeah, burst through the window and just go, <laughs> I know. And go to the security and be like, I'm Batman. <laughs> that's it. That's all I want to do right now. <laughs> uh, so this is actually fireproof. Because this is for the scene where he walks through the fire that Scarecrow has uh, started. Okay, so thoughts on the Batman cowl. So here's place. my first thought. My first thought is I saw when this came up right around Christmas time, and all I thought was I need a Christmas present. So I, I did not bid on it. I will tell you, unlike the Superman stuff, I did. Please, not bid before on you it. bid on stuff, call me. I, I, well, no, no, <laughs> I, that is we made a blood oath last yeah, time. Yeah, we yeah. are not bidding on things yeah. unless we tell each other. Um, I love, love, love the sculpture of this. His jawline, you can see it coming through and adds such a detail to it, which is spectacular to me. It's cooler, I think, than the Darth Vader in person. Oh, the Darth, the Darth Vader. Vader the Darth Vader. It's amazing. Actually, Darth Vader is amazing, but it looks plasticky to this. Yes. This looks real. Yeah. That yeah, looks like a toy, like, an, and it, it looks fake. I told you when I went on the Millennium Falcon. What? I went, so I went, I took my kids to see the filming of Star Wars. And they said to me, you know, you want to meet R2-D2? Of course. You want to meet Chewbacca? Of course. I mean, it couldn't get better. So we're, each thing's getting better. And then they say, okay, come this way. And we turn the corner. And now we're in Pinewood Studios, okay, where they, wow. of course, film Star Wars. Yeah. I had to pull every favor. I had to give them one child, but I have a couple, so I had to spare. <laughs> but it was, And they, I turn the corner. I bring my kids. It's like, this is my one gift I can give my kids. And I turn the corner and there, you know what you're looking at is the entry to the Millennium Falcon. Wow. And I take my kids on the Falcon. And I know, again, I'm such a nerd about it. I know where to go. I'm like, don't, you don't have to tell me. I know. Where, so yeah. I sit down and my sons both jump in the two seats. I have two boys and a girl and they fight. And, and my son, my youngest son says, Chewie, hit the hyperdrive. And then my other son says, no, no, you're Chewie. I'm Han Solo, you're in the passenger seat, I'm the driver. And they look at me and they say, Dad, which one's the driver's seat? What's Han Solo's seat? And I, I'm so used to seeing it from the opposite side because we're looking at it from the inside. I'm like, I, I don't know. And I turn to our guide and he, say, he points to the older son. And my older son says, Chewie, hit the hyperdrive. And yeah. we just had, and they give you a camera and they say, you take all the pictures you want because they're filming the new Star Wars at the time. Wow. They say, we'll send you the photos in two years. And two years later, sure enough, they sent me the photos of us on the Millennium Falcon. That's unbelievable. It was wow. awesome. Unbelievable. Um, okay, show Teddy off. Roosevelt's. Okay, Here's, let's do Tony, it. <laughs> here's right, Teddy Roosevelt's glasses. Uh, this is it. Okay. You can hold those glasses up and everybody should know this is exactly it. which president. I mean, I mean yeah, there's no one else. This is this I don't is know why they don't make those anymore. I, I really. They're I, fantastic. They're beautiful. Yeah. These are beautiful. Yeah. All right. So here is the... Okay, uh, last page of the speech that he was giving at the Bull Moose party where he was shot, that hole is the bullet hole that oh, went in. Is this his handwriting? Did he do that? No, yeah. this is the no, gift. Okay, this is the gift too. And then here's the yeah, speech. Yeah, yeah. Wow, this is the bullet hole. This is an amazing moment. Only you, of course, would have this. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I love, love, you know, and Teddy Roosevelt, again, of one of my favorite presidents of all time, bar nothing, you know, no offense to FDR, no offense to anyone, uh, but Teddy Roosevelt is it is it now i'm reading the whole speech of course myself okay so here's the question okay, that Batman only question. you will be able I'm to ready. really answer okay 
This is legend, and they say they don't know, okay? But I thought of you when I read it. Batman, apparently, one of the inspirations of Batman Leonardo was, da Vinci? was Theodore Roosevelt. Uh, okay, so Rich guy, big influential, Gotham, cleaned up the city, did it an unconventional way. Yeah, so I'm going to tell you the answer here. So th- there is no more myth than the myth that surrounds Batman and his creation. And the truth was, is it was, if you look for the original 75 years of it, everyone said a guy named Bob Kane was the creator of Batman. I'm on an event with a guy named Jerry Robinson one day, and Jerry Robinson famously created the Joker um, mm-hmm. and, you know, has his mm-hmm. hands in Robin and all these other amazing mm-hmm. things. And this woman stands up and says, I'm the granddaughter of Bill Finger, who I'd heard of and is one of the original Batman artists. And she says, and my grandfather created uh, Batman with Bob Kane. And I lean over to Jerry Robinson, who's there, who created the Joker, did Robin, did all these things. And he says, she's right. And it causes me and a number of other people to start this campaign to recognize the creator of Batman. Yeah, because and, they did that. And, and, and Bob Kane, you Bob Kane I was part of this, and Bob Kane famously said that the inspiration for Batman, his costume was Leonardo da Vinci. He said some of the Teddy Roosevelt stuff, although I hadn't heard, I hadn't heard the extent of the rich guy stuff, but it's actually a good idea. He was, he was always looking to tell tall tales to keep away the fact that the real creation of Batman came also from this guy, Bill Finger. And a bunch of us got together. I work with DC Comics. A number of other great people worked on the outside of it. And if you look in the Batman comics now, it says created by Bob Kane mm-hmm. and Bill Finger. And the very mm-hmm. first comic book that was written that gave him that credit was mine. I put it in there because I wanted to correct the historical record. Wow. And it was vital to me. Um, and I even thought, used to think that that Batman, was, the inspiration of the costume came from Leonardo da Vinci's great bat wings and the flying wings. Um, but sadly, it was it was the you know when he originally created him, he had like these purple gloves and these other things. It was it was Bill Finger who said made up the name Bruce Wayne, made up gave him the identity, gave him the origin, gave him Gotham City, gave the bat signal. He made all the stuff you love. Gave him the scallop cape. Uh, so, but but we don't know what his inspiration don't know was. If at I, all. I've never heard the the Teddy Roosevelt one, but I'm mm. going to tell you what I'm going to be doing this afternoon. I can yeah, tell you that. Let me know. I will. Because I, I think it's a, I'll text you. And if it's wrong, eh, you don't have to. Don't get tell back me. To me. Right, right, right. Don't it's tell me. I love legend. it. I love. I love it. It's a brilliant idea. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? it? Re- it's a perfect idea. Yeah, yeah. I found it someplace. I don't remember where. Um, Brad Meltzer. The name of the book is "The Nazi Conspiracy: The Secret Plot to Kill Roosevelt, Stalin, and Churchill." Well worth the read. Pick it up now. Always great to have you here. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. You bet. Back in just a minute. Name a piece of technology that you're on more every day than your phone. I'll wait. Oh, with me, it's the exercise bike. You know. (laughs) Anyway, Patriot Mobile right now is offering service with all three major networks, which means that if you're with one of the big three and you like their service but you don't like their values. Um, you can you can access them through Patriot Mobile. Comes with a performance guarantee. You're not happy with the coverage. You can switch among the three carriers for free. Patriot Mobile shares your values, and they're not going to send your hard-earned money to aid in the destruction of America. It's going to be rewarding knowing that you're getting not only a great mobile service, you're also saving money on your plan, and you're standing up with, for what's still right and good in this country. 
100% U.S.-based customer service team. They'll make the switching really simple. Just go to patriotmobile.com slash Beck, or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT, or patriotmobile.com slash Beck. Get free activation today with the offer code Beck, patriotmobile.com slash Beck, 972-PATRIOT. Join the conversation. 888-727-BECK. The Glenn Beck Program. You know, I love, I love Brad. I would love to just sit and just listen to him for a couple of days. Because he's just, he's got the greatest yeah. stories ever. And he's a great storyteller. And he's done everything. I know. It's like, ah, I was on the moon one day. And you're like, wait, <laughs> wait a minute. What? Back up, back up, back up. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, his books are always great as well. But he really knows how to tell a story. Yeah, and he, and he's one of those people, too, that he, he, the books he writes, he sort of lives through his regular life. Like, yeah. he is always going after these mm-hmm. incredible pieces of history. Yeah. He just loves it so much. Right. You can tell. You can tell and he has joy. It, when you see that in his books, too. Yeah. He just, he does. He has joy in telling these stories. I, lo- I just love it. Uh, by the way, I, you know, I didn't watch the Golden Globes. I didn't even know the Golden Globes were on. I don't really even care about any of it. But I saw a clip yesterday that I wanted to play from Brendan Fraser. Have you have have you seen the yeah, clip yet? I've seen a little bit. Yeah, this is amazing. And uh, well, I've seen Jeffy. I have not seen the whale. And um, uh, but I want to see it now. After this, listen to this. This was his acceptance speech um, at the Golden Globes. Listen to this. If you like a guy like Charlie, who I played in this movie, in any way struggle with obesity or you just feel like you're in a dark sea. I want you to know that if you too can have the strength to just get to your feet and go to the light, good things will happen. Thank you. Good night. You know what's amazing? Have you seen the people that are standing up? Uh, I mean, it's like all the people that I, you know, like Harry Wink, uh, Henry Winkler and, you know, people that we know or people that are sure. kind of and everybody else is like they're not standing up to reply. They're like, oh, that's good. That's good. All yeah, right. Yeah. Move on. Um, but this was he was so concerned about this movie that he couldn't shoot one of the main scenes uh, one day. And the director just said, Brennan, just relax, 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 go home. Just forget about all this. And he's like, this is. I mean, he knew this was his comeback chance, hmm. and uh, he didn't want to blow it because he loved the the role. And uh, I mean, he gained what two hundred pounds for it, something like that. Oh, really? I thought it was all makeup. It was it's no, real. he really gained that weight. That's the fun part. Yeah, That's getting the fun it off of is yeah. Yeah, yeah, not. I like how um, it's like everyone's like, "Gosh, the bravery of that person fighting back against these terrible claims of obesity," and they all stand up and they're all like 108 pounds. Yeah, like every woman in the audience <laughs> has 0.3 percent yeah. body fat. I I love Brendan Fraser because of that speech. I love it, and I'm going to see the whale, and I mean the movie, not Jeffy. 
That was mean. See, that's the exact type of stuff that Brendan Fraser's bravely standing up against. Yeah, that's your really, you, you being hateful. He's more of a hippopotamus. Because if you're in the water, he's in the water. You're dead. <laughs> you're dead. The Glenn Beck Program.